Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now let's go to this week's message. All right, the Sermon on the Mount. Not the title, but it's a mountain of a sermon. And we're going to be looking at that for the next several weeks as we uh, move along as chapters 5 through 7. But it's so good to see you today. And those of you that are watching online, we have people today from New Jersey, Connecticut, Tennessee, uh, Georgia, North Carolina. It's so good to see you. Father's House, would you welcome those that are watching online? And uh, did you get a chance last week? to do the three days with Craig uh, Groeschel. Did that help you with your, convert, with your conversation? That's so important. If you missed that, <clears throat> you need to go back and catch that U version. We spent three days of how to develop your confession of what you're saying about yourself. And I'd like you to join me this week in another one that's going to be 20-something days, and it's going to be on the Beatitudes. So if you'll look at, your, uh, at the Father's House face, uh, home website, and you scroll down, there's so many different things. Scroll down through there to the different programs. You'll see the U version and you'll see the Beatitudes. Check on that and it'll say an invite to join the Father's house. And we all join. <clears throat> you can watch it whenever you want to during the day. But uh, many of us watch it first thing in the morning. Then we make a comment. Uh, and so we'll be doing that for the next 20-something days to understand more about the Beatitudes. So a lot of people say, well, I just wish I had a Bible study. I could study the Bible. Well, there it is right there for you. A great way for you to do that and to converse with other people. So go ahead and do that. We had about 100-and-something families last week that joined us on the Craig Groeschel, Your Words Matter. So I really believe that we can have that same amount as we look at the Beatitudes. So a couple of other things. One other thing. This uh, coming Saturday at 11 o'clock, we have the homegoing celebration for Jeff Pospisil, uh, one of our board members, a dear friend of many of us, and uh, he's been part of the Father's House since like 2006, very instrumental. In fact, uh, I love the story Lisa tells. She said that when she and JR came here from another church, uh, Jeff was one of the ushers at that time. And before anybody ever spoke anything, her husband leaned over to him and said, her and said, uh, this is a church that we can attend. She said, why? He said, you see that usher? He's got the prettiest ponytail I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> come as you are. That's how we tell people, come enjoy life. And so if you'll be with us on Saturday at 11, there'll be a reception afterwards so that you can um, meet Trish and all of the friends. There'll be a lot of people here. There'll be a lot of NASCAR people that are here. A lot of the Kyle, Chetty, Kyle Petty charity riders will be here, the easy riders. Jeff had friends all over this nation, and uh, it's going to be a great time. So I'd encourage you to come, and thank you for those of you who are going to serve on that day and help us. It's going to be awesome. Well, you ready to get in the Word? Well, we're going into Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, but before we do that, let's pray. Father, we love you today. We thank you. Wow, what great worship, what great words that Andrea had. Lord, that you just remind us of how much that you care for us and you pursue us, even when, we, um, when we're not pursuable. And so, Lord, as we look into your word today, Matthew chapter 5, beginning, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you, first of all, will anoint me. I need your anointing. I, I can't do anything without you. And second of all, anoint our hearing that we might understand. 
And so, Lord, we pray today that you might be magnified, that the saints would be edified, and the enemy would be terrified in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark Twain said in 1897, truth is stranger than fiction. So here's a few truth things out of the newspaper that almost sound like fiction. In 1979, in a Midwest town, Burger King was burglarized. And they found the intruder. He was an 18-year-old young man by the name of Ronald McDonald. (laughs) True. 1980, in Detroit, there was a man who was a burglar, and he broke into an apartment building. And his name was Jimmy Carter. And he was arrested by the arresting officer, Richard Nixon. In Orlando, at the courthouse, uh, there was a jury that were deliberating on a case, 12 of them. They came out to the elevator, and as the elevator started down, they were stuck, stuck for 20 minutes, 12 of them on the elevator. And the case that they were going to preside over, they were hearing a case against Otis Elevator Company. And from a newspaper in Wisconsin, for sale, parachute, used once, never opened. (laughs) Jesus said some strange things, but they were truth. In fact, at the end of one of the teachings, Luke's gospel, it said the people said, man, these are strange. These are strange things. We're going to look in the next few weeks at 111 verses that will transform your life and my life. But they're kind of strange. It's sort of like upside down. Jesus said the way to get up is that you humble yourself. Uh, Jesus said, blessed are they, today we'll look at, blessed are they who mourn, those who are thirsty, those who are hungry, and those who are persecuted. Now, that doesn't seem like a really exciting thing to, to us on the initial words, but Jesus came to turn upside down the culture of that particular time. So this was uh, on a mountain overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And if you'd like to go with us to the Holy Land in December of 2023, you'll be able to stand on that very mountain and overlook the Sea of Galilee, and, uh, and this will come back to you. So this section of Scripture that we're going to look at today is called the U version. Uh, I mean the Beatitudes, and you can go to the U version and sign up and be part of this. So let's look at this, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, if you have your Bible or you can watch on the Sky Bible. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And when he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, 
For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's an interesting passage of Scripture with these Beatitudes. And we look at those and we often uh, think about, here we are in that. And that's something that was spoken a long time ago. But I want to show you today about how that these Beatitudes actually apply to our life. Look at verse 1, chapter 5. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain... And then when he was, dis- he was seated with his disciples, came to him. Notice now there are thousands that are following him. In fact, if you look in your Bible, the verse preceding chapter 5 says, in verse 25 of chapter 4, great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So here's the picture. Because of the miracles, because of the feeding, because of all that he's done, there are hundreds if not thousands of people that are following him. And Jesus looks out and he sees the multitude. But you see, Jesus is never moved by the multitude. He's moved by those that are his followers. So when he saw the multitude, he went up the mountain, high up on the mountain, and the multitude is down below. But he called his disciples, he called his followers near him, and then he sat down and he taught them. Hey, I want to to do something with you today, if you do this. Would you stand? Everybody stand. If you can stand, just go ahead and stand. That looks good. Stand. Now, this was how rabbis taught. Rabbis sat down. And the people stood. So it just sort of inverted everything around. So I hope you have your comfortable shoes on today as you're standing as we do these teachings. No, I won't punish you like that. You can be seated. But a rabbi, when he was conversing with people, he would walk and he would stand. But when he sat down, by sitting down, it was saying to them, this is important. Even in our colleges, we say if a professor has tenure, he is seated. He's a professor with a seat. He's seated. In other words, he has authority. So when Jesus sets down here on this mountain, it's to the disciples, they're saying, okay, something big is going to happen here. He's going to give us something. And for 111 verses, I don't know how long this sermon was, but for 111 verses, he teaches them principles about the kingdom. Uh, some scholars look at this passage and they say, wow, uh, this is a passage, a Sermon on the Mount that the world should apply to their life and the world will be better. But Jesus never applied the Sermon on the Mount to the character of the world. It was to his followers, to his believers. So he starts off and he, he says this word, blessed. Makarios is the word. And, and a lot of translations you'll read says happy. But it's much more than happy. It's a wholeness of joy. It's well-being. It's a, a way of shalom. Shalom is a wholeness of peace. But for our study, here's a good definition of blessed. Happy, supremely blessed, fortunate, satisfaction of the soul, fully and wholly satisfied with God, connected to God, And so as you look at that, I have it there in your notes. That's sort of what we look at when we say, in fact, let's read from Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 from the Amplified. It's there in your notes. Would you read it with me? And it's Amplified, so that means you need to amplify it a little bit, all right? So let's let's read it together, shall we? Blessed, happy to be envied, and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation regardless of their outward conditions, are the poor in spirit, the humble, 
who rate themselves insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So when you read these, these Beatitudes, and for the next 20 days, so that as we study it, just think about it. Blessed doesn't just mean happiness, but it means the wholeness. It, it, it means the fullness, extreme favor, things that you would never get outside the kingdom, outside the kingdom. So what we're going to look at today are eight blessed characteristics that paint us a picture of what Christ's followers would be like. Now, if you have your notes, and I know the notes are very small today because there's so many of them, so some of you may be having a tough time reading that, so just ask your neighbor in the front row in front of you to hold that, and you might be able to see it. So let's look at that. Number one in your notes, if you're filling out the notes, is that follow the progressive pattern. Follow the progressive pattern. What you're going to see in this, and a lot of times people will study the Beatitudes, but they'll always study them individually. They'll say, well, here's this one and this one and this one and this one. But in this context, when Jesus sits down to teach, he's teaching them, this is how you enter the kingdom of God. This is how you flow in the kingdom of God to the time that you get to heaven and you receive your reward. So he's saying, each of these build on top of each other. I was talking to Maggie between services, and she said, yeah, when I was a teenager in the church that we was raised in, they built a platform. Each step built on the other and built on the other and built on the other. And so as you see this today, think about it like this. Jesus is saying, this is the progressive pilgrimage that I want you to go on if you're one of my followers. So let's look at this. First of all, he says in verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Basically what he's saying here, if you want to jot in your notes there, recognize your present condition. Recognize your present condition. He says, blessed are those that in their spiritual condition realize there's no way they can get to heaven without Jesus. What he's simply saying is here, you're powerless, you're helpless, you're undeserving, you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And there's no way that you can do that. And he says, blessed are those who are not confident in themselves and say, I'll get to heaven on my good works. I'll get to heaven. I'll, I'll impress God with my good works. No, he's saying, look, it starts here. It starts here that you have a humbled heart that realizes that you're nothing without God. Now, that's counterculture because the world says it's the strongest, the most put together people that get the good life. But in his kingdom, he says, blessed are you today if you feel a little poor in spirit, if you feel a little insignificant, if you feel a little less than. See, sometimes we look at other people, maybe some of the singers on the stage, and we say, wow, man, they just, I just, I feel so less than. I, I could never do that. Or we see somebody up speaking or somebody sharing. We say, well, I'm, I'm so less than. That's what Jesus is saying here. He says, you're blessed when you recognize how insufficient that you are in yourself. It's not your works, but it's in him. So if I were going to paraphrase this, I would paraphrase it like this. Blessed are those who humbly recognize their dire need for God. Say need for God. That's the fill in. Blessed are those who humbly recognize their dire need for God. For God will bring them into his kingdom. And so he says, when you recognize that how much that you need God, then you're blessed because he hasn't forgot you. 
It's going to bring you into his kingdom. So we talked last week about confessing what's true. So I've tried to write a little confession for us on each of these Beatitudes. So would you say it with me? It's on the Sky Bible. Would you say it with me? This is my confession. I recognize my spiritual bankruptcy and my need for God. I know I'm incapable of earning God's love on my own. Would you agree with that? That's step one. Jesus says that's where it starts. Then he says in verse four, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Remember in the previous verse, he says, blessed are those who recognize their sinfulness and how much they need a savior, how much that they need Jesus. And now he says, blessed are those who mourn for their spiritual condition. Blessed are those who mourn because of the sin that's in their life. So basically what he's talking about here, if you want to write it out, he's talking about repentance. He says, blessed are those who mourn. That speaks of a, of a deep sorrow over my sin, and I repent of that. He said, the freedom that you find in the forgiveness of the sin brings you joy eternal. Fourth grade Sunday school teacher asked their, her students, what does repentance mean? One child raised her hand and said, it means that you're sorry for something you did. We'd agree with that, right? Another little kid raised their hand and said, I believe it means you're sorry enough to quit. That's what he's saying here. I'm just not mourning over my sin, mourning how much of a failure I am, mourning because of all that's going wrong in my life. But as I mourn, as I repent for my condition, then I understand that God will forgive me and I can move on in life. So a paraphrase of this would be this. Blessed are those who mourn for their sin. For God will forgive them and restore them to the life he intended for them to live. Blessed are those who mourn for their sin. Have you done that? See, a lot of people just raise their hand, you know, I need to get out of a hell card, you know, get me out of the fire. And, and they never have a mourn. They never, never have a true repentance for their sins. But when you realize what Andrea said of how that he finds us, he kicks down any wall, he, he goes through whatever he could, he finds us where we are, and he loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. And he, so he says here, blessed are those who mourn over their sin of how that I've hurt him. So here's a confession, say it with me. I feel the pain of sin, including my own. I can weep over sin just like Jesus did. Then he says in the next verse, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The meek. Now, in the first two verses, Jesus talked about personal recognition. Recognize that I am insufficient and I should mourn over my sin. And now he switches gears. And he talks about an outward posture or an outward expression. In other words, he says, now what's on the inside, I want it to be on the outside. I want, to live, I want you to live from the inside out. A good definition of meekness is this, strength under control. Say strength under control. You see, meekness is I have a lot of abilities. I have a lot of things that I can do. But I'm going to submit them all to God because it's only when I submit them to him. So I don't, I don't rejoice in my weakness. Uh, a lot of people think that meekness is mousy. Meekness is not mousy. 
Meekness is strength under control. So here's a paraphrase. Blessed are those who have their strength under control. That have their what? Strength under control, for they will inherit the earth. What that means is that all of my strengths, my, my, all of my gifts, all that I have, I have them under control because I have submitted them to God. There are some of you that have gifts and talents and abilities, and you never use them for God. You, you never use them. But he says, blessed are those who take those gifts that they have, and they submit them to God. So here's, here's a confession. Read it with me. I don't have to be strong, one, who is always in control. I can be tender and gentle. I've given control of my life to God, and I don't always have to. I don't always have to what? Yeah. You may be smarter than everybody else, but you don't have to keep winning. You don't have to always tell people how smart you are. Look at verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus is saying here, blessed are those who are so hungry for Jesus. And they're desperate to do the will of God. That's the most important thing in their life. But he's, what he's saying is that it's an ongoing process. Anybody ever here been totally filled up with Jesus and never wanted more? No. Oh, it's like a good donut. You eat one and you just want a dozen, right? But with a donut, it's not good. But with Jesus, a little bit of Jesus and you want more of Jesus. More of Jesus and you want more of Jesus. More of Jesus and you want more of Jesus. Am I, anybody getting where I'm going to? That's ex, you've experienced that in your life. Why don't you raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I, I, I have that desire. And, and you see, if we're not careful, we'll let the world crowd out that hunger and thirst. The world will say, here, drink some of this. Here, eat some of this. And if we're not careful, we get on the wrong diet and we lose our strength. We're no longer hungry and thirsty for God. That's why life groups are so important. That's why you need to get in a life group. We start this week, and here in life groups, what we're doing is that we're doing a sermon review. So I put together a bunch of questions, and our speakers will put together a bunch of questions. And when you get together as a group, you have some food, maybe. Uh, at least in our group, we have food. And, uh, or you do some fun things. And then you get to talk. Hey, let's talk about the Beatitudes. Let's talk about them. And the more you talk about them, the more you want to study them. And then you want to be sure that you're doing the U version plan that's going to take 20-something days because I'm only taking one Sunday on the Beatitudes because next week I'm talking about, do you want to be an influencer? Are you an influencer in this world? And so we, we got to get through these 111 verses. So I'm just saying this. The, the more I read the Word, the more I get hungry. And the more I come to church and I worship, the more I want to worship more. It's when I back away from reading. I back away from, I back away from the very thing that fills me that I'm no longer hungry and thirsty. In October, October 3rd, 4th, and 5th, that's the first Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, is our quarterly fast day. You can go on to our website, and you can get information about our fast. And then that Wednesday night, which is October the 5th, Wednesday night, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, we come back for a night of worship, okay? So let's look at the paraphrase here. This is how I'd paraphrase this one. Blessed are those who are desperate to do the will of God. 
for they will long for nothing. Desperate to do the will of God, for they will long for nothing to do the will of God. So here's our confession. Say it with me. I want to know God and his will for my life more than anything, including my own pleasure, status, or success. My heart truly longs for God. Let's say that last sentence again. My heart truly longs for God. My heart truly longs for God. Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. He says, you've received mercy. Now, extend mercy to other people. Here's where a lot of Christians have a double standard. They did me wrong. I'm not going to forgive them. I've just, yeah, and they've, they've done it over and over and over and over and over. You see, grace seems so unfair until you need some. So many people hang on to grievances, don't they? Mercy is shown through forgiveness, kindness, and compassion to others. I mean, think, of, think about this. Think of how many times you've asked Jesus to forgive you, and he forgives you. And so you're holding on to, no, he says, look, blessed, here, here's a paraphrase. Blessed are those who show mercy and forgive. For they understand the mercy that has been shown to them. Wow. They show mercy and forgive. Here's a a good confession. I can share the feelings of people who are hurting, lonely, or distressed. And walk alongside them in their pain. I have received mercy and I give mercy. Jesus says, look. If this characteristic is missing in your life, you need to go back to step one. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. I am poor in mercy. Oh, if I'm poor in mercy, then what do I do? I'm going to make myself merciful. No, I'm going to mourn over my lack of mercy. That makes sense? Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart. Say pure in heart, for they shall see God. You say, man, I've been looking to see God in my prayer time. I want to experience him more and I want to see him. Then maybe you need to ask yourself, am I pure in my heart? The Pharisees in the religious system, it was all about externals, external appearance. And they would ignore what's going on on the inside. If you're only focusing on the outside, your heart will never change. You see, if you're focusing on the, well, I must come to church. I must get the you version. I must make, get into a life group. I must witness. I must tithe. I must give that. Then you go through, and it's no different than the Pharisees and their religion. It's all the externals. Look at me. I'm going to church. Look at me. I went to church. No. But if I focus on my heart, then all those externals will be an outflow of what's in my heart. So I'm saying today, if you're struggling with doing the things that a believer should do, then maybe you need to go back to say, hey, you know what? Maybe there's something in my life of my motives. 
It doesn't mean that our actions don't matter. They do matter. Look at the paraphrase of this. Blessed are those who focus on the motive of their actions. Wow. Motive of their actions. What's the motive of my actions? For they shall do what? See God. Here's the confession. Say it with me. I am completely honest with God and others. I don't have to put on a false front or pretend to be something I'm not. My life is marked with openness and integrity. Wow. Here's the next one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. He says, you've received the peace of God. Now I want you to be an ambassador of peace to other people. When you walk into a room, does it become more peaceful? Ooh. Yeah, some of you thought about some person that doesn't bring peace with them, right? They enter into a room and they're negative. They create tension. They create division. They create conflict. They're the ones when you're in Publix and you see them at the other end, you hope they didn't see you because you scoot around the other aisle because you don't need their negativity to come up on you. But I want to walk into a room and I want to bring peace in a room. When people are in conflict, I want to be able to bring the peace of Jesus into their life. But if I don't have the peace in my heart, it'll be very hard for me to help somebody else. So here's a paraphrase. Blessed are those who receive peace and bring peace to others, for they're the sons and daughters of God. Wow. Received peace and bring peace. Receive peace and bring peace. Here's the confession. Say it with me. I work hard to keep channels of communication open with others. Rather than allowing anger and conflict to fester, I deal with them constructly. Wow. Verse 10 and 11. Blessed, do you see how these just build on top of each other? Verse 10 and 11. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile. That word revile means they, they make fun of you. Uh, uh, they tease you. They revile you, they persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Jesus, take this one out. I mean, don't you feel like that one? I mean, it's enough. Somebody said in the first service, man, when you read through those, I thought, boy, this is tough. It is tough. That's why Jesus is saying the first step is you've got to recognize if there's a deficiency of one of these in your life, you don't try to make them happen. You go back to step one. Blessed are those, blessed are those who mourn over their spiritual lack. Here's what he's saying. So if, you, if sin matters to you, you mourn over sin, you don't live in sin and justify sin. See, that's where a lot of people are. I mean, if the Bible says something is wrong, I don't care if Uncle Ferd says it's right. I don't care how many online preachers or online churches say that it's right. If the scripture says that it's wrong, don't come around and try to justify that by taking a scripture out of context and applying it to that. But he says, if it's true and there's sin in your life, then you need to mourn over that sin. It's the only way you'll ever progress in this kingdom. Or you're always struggling to prove, struggling to be. 
So he says, if you have these characteristics in your life, people, many people, are going to look at you and they'll say things like this. Surely, surely, Edwin, you don't believe that the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus. Surely you're not that intellectually shallow, right? I mean, everybody, God loves everybody, right? I mean, just think, of you, what? No, it's, it's how you live your life. You live your life good, and you get to go to heaven. You mean you believe that? You, you, you really believe the Bible? Don't you know the Bible was written by a whole bunch of different people in, in different times and different? Yeah, how about over a period of 1,400 years by 40 authors in four continents, but yet there's unity of theme, consistency of doctrine, and none of it contradicts the other, and they've been written over a period of 1,400 years. You talking about that Bible? That's the Bible I'm talking about. In fact, next week, the Scripture says, there'll neither be a jot nor a tittle that won't be fulfilled of the Word. So I'm talking about that. So when somebody says... Oh, you believe in the Bible. I believe in the conscience of man. And they persecute you. We don't want you in our group. We won't vote for you in politics because you're one of those narrow-minded people that hate everybody. They, they think we hate everybody. No, he says, they're going to persecute you because of what you stand for. Now, listen, time out. Time out, say time out. Look at your neighbor and say, this is important. <sighs> some Christians get persecuted because they really do some dumb, hurtful things. Can I get an amen? But when we're persecuted for doing right, Jesus says, you're blessed. Here's a paraphrase of this one. Blessed are you when you are persecuted, when what you say and do are consistent with what Jesus says and does. He says, blessed are, those, blessed are you when you're doing right and, you're, and these characteristics in the Beatitudes are right, but yet somebody looks at you and they revile you, they joke about you, they defame you. We see that on social media all the time. But he says, bless, he says don't back down. Don't be ashamed. Here's a paraphrase. Blessed are you when you're persecuted, when what you say and do are consistent with what Jesus says and does. Right? Now, here's our confession. I'm willing to suffer and, if need be, stand alone for what is right. I can take criticism without reacting defensively and feeling self-pity. Verse 12. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets. The word here in Greek of, of rejoice is joyful beyond your circumstances. It says, it's, it's, just, it's just, you're just joyful because, because of, of the Lord. But he says, you're going to be blessed here, but your reward is in heaven. That's the gospel message. Here's the paraphrase. Blessed are you who can rejoice in the worst moments in life. The worst moments in life. For you have found the true treasure. Here's what I'd like for us to confess. Say it with me. I will remember this world is not my home. My reward is in heaven. I choose to rejoice because I know joy is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of Jesus. Wow. 
Now, I want to I, I take it back. That, that's all the notes there. You get ready. I'm going to show you something on screen. You may want to take a screenshot of that. But summarizing everything, the Father's house mission, we say this over and over and over. Would you read it with me? We are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. So I was studying this week the Beatitudes, and all of a sudden, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, here it is. Here's how you live out this. Here's how you grow closer to Jesus. So here it is on the screen for you in summation. Notice how they're progressive. I recognize that I am in need, poor in spirit, right? And then I recognize that, so what am I going to do? I'm going to repent. I'm going to repent of that lack in my life. I'm going to mourn. I'm going to repent. And then after I repent, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to surrender control to God because his power will show up in my weakness. So see how that is? Notice, notice it starts off with, I'm poor in spirit. I have a need. I'm going to repent of that need. I'm going to mourn. And after I mourn, I'm not going to stay in, in the valley of mourning, but I'm going to submit my life to God. Strength under control. And then I'm going to be so grateful for his presence that I yearn for more of him. I hunger and thirst. And as I grow closer to him, I become more like him. And I can forgive others. I'm merciful. So look, now I'm grateful. I, I, let's go back to that so I can get a good picture of that. I'm grateful for his presence. And I yearn for more of him. And as I grow closer to him, I become more like him. Look at this. Look at the progress in this. How, how it builds on one onto the other. And then... I am changed as I am changed from the inside out, pure in heart. And I love others and I bring peace. I become a peacemaker. I change from the inside out and I love others and I'm a peacemaker. And then I endure persecution because I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus. I endure persecution because I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus. And then lastly, I rejoice in God as I keep my eternal focus. I'm blessed here on the earth but I will receive my reward when I get to heaven. That's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And if you love that, give the Lord a hand clap if that made any sense to you. And I, I want to I pray for all of us that, that these Beatitudes will become uh, more of, 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 of marks that people see in our life. And if you don't see one of those in your life, then go back to the first place and... I recognize my spiritual condition and I mourn over my sin. But would you bow your head? And I'd like you to think about your life right now. Where are you? Maybe at that place to say, you know what? I realize that I, I just feel the overwhelming amount of sin over myself right now. I, I recognize that that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And God knew that there would be a day in which that you would be sitting here in a place like the Father's house. And you would question, am I, am I, am I, am I ready to meet God? You say, but I've got so many sins in my life, I don't think that he would want anything to do with me. So God knew that you'd feel that predicament. So what he sent, what he did is he sent his son. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. So what, what God did is that he sent his son Jesus into this world to live among people, to walk among people, but he did it without sin. 
Nobody had been able to do that before, but he did it without sin because he was sinless. He had the seed of God within him. But then there came a day that he recognized the sins of everyone around him, including your sins and mine. And Jesus voluntarily said, I'll pay. I'll pay for that adultery. I'll pay for that sin. I'll pay for that addiction. I'll pay for that unforgiveness. I'll pay for that abuse. I'll pay for that. And he was broken and he was bruised. And he shed his life on a cross. And his blood paid for your sins and my sins. If I will invite him into my life and apply those to me. And then on the third day, Jesus was risen from the dead. And he lives now. And he ever intercedes. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And I believe he's interceding this morning for you. I believe he sent his Holy Spirit to to thump on your heart. To have you look at your spiritual condition and say, I'm not right with God. But then he says, if you'll call on me, you can be saved. Scripture said, if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, I could be saved. So as this church is praying for you, if you're here today and you say, Terry, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure that I'm ready to meet God. I'm not sure that my sins have been forgiven. I want to pray for you today. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not ask you to say anything. I'm just going to ask you in a minute to raise your hand and make eye contact with me. And by doing that, you're saying, I, I'm lost right now and I need to be found. I'm unsure of my life right now and I need Jesus. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and make eye contact with me? Thank you, ma'am. Others today, thank you. Thank you. Thank you over here. Thank you. Others today, yeah, that's me. I need Jesus. I need Jesus today. Just raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you over here. Thank you in the back. Others today, thank you in the back. The two of you, thank you. Those of you watching online, just raise your hand right where you are. Others today say, that's me. I feel the Holy Spirit tugging on my heart and that I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I don't understand it all, but I feel him tugging at my heart right now. Let me lead you in a prayer. Those of you that are watching online, would you pray this prayer also? I can give you the words, but you have to surrender the heart. It's more than just uh, just saying the words. It's a surrender of your heart, a surrender of your life. It's the mourning over your sin of recognizing how much that I need God. Let's pray this prayer together. Father God, I thank you for loving me and for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins. I recognize I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I need to be found. And you came searching for me today. And I know that you love me. So I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are God's son and that you'll forgive me of my sins if I ask you to. So I'm asking. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me of my sins and coming into my life and being my savior. Fill me with your spirit in Jesus' name. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to help you continue that journey. 
To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com forward slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and make disciples.